This is Horticulture Hangover with Colleen Dieter and Leah Turner. Call or text your lawn and garden questions to 512-836-0590. Hey, good morning, everyone. This is Colleen Dieter with ATXGardens.com. And this is the Horticulture Hangover Show. Um, I'm a landscape consultant here in Central Texas, and uh, I help my customers by giving them advice about their yards. And you can call me today on the radio show at 512-836-0590 or 877-590-5525. Um, You can also text at that number if you have any questions about plants, landscaping, yard problems. And uh, so I'm sure you know what I'm going to say next. I'm so happy that we got some rain. And uh, I feel like it's uh, Mother Nature, you know, fired the starting gun for fall. And now I'm feeling a little bit more confident about planting. It's planting season, Uh, dividing plants is a good time for that. Uh, Transplanting things that have gotten maybe too big, have outgrown their space. You can start moving things around now. The forecast is still a little hot next week. It's still going to be really hot. So um, it may be a little bit hard if you do some planting and transplanting this weekend uh, to keep things healthy next week if they're in full, full sun. Uh, But if they get a little bit of afternoon shade, they should be okay. Um, But, you know, our planting season's just so short uh, for perennials I really just like planting perennials this time of year, you know, in September and October to get them in the ground before the first freeze in November. So we don't have a whole lot of time, uh, not very many weekends available to get stuff done. So uh, I say let's get going on some planting and transplanting, dividing I was thinking today about how I need to divide my irises. Uh, My friend Leah, who's usually on the show with me, uh, she's out today. Uh, She gave me some white cemetery irises. You know, those are the classic Texas pass-along plant that you get from friends because they multiply themselves and they need to be divided. And they're called cemetery irises because they usually are found growing in cemeteries uh, around Texas because they're so, uh, they take care of themselves really until they need to be divided. So um, if you have any questions, you know, about dividing, transplanting, that kind of thing, call me up at 512-836-0590 or 877-590-5525. And I just want to follow up on a few things I talked about in the past weeks. Um, I did a 
really nice. I want to thank everybody in the Williamson County chapter of the Native Plant Society of Texas for welcoming me on Thursday evening. I did a talk uh, for them about Central Texas seed savers and the importance of saving seeds from native plants. And they were just so warm and welcoming to me. And I so appreciate them. And I know uh, there's a couple folks out there listening now who are part of that group who said they told me they listened to the show and that was just really neat. So hello to all of them. If you're interested in native plants um, and you're in Williamson County, the Williamson County chapter of the Native Plant Society of Texas, you should join them because they are great people and a lot of fun at their monthly meeting. I also want to thank uh, folks at Pease Park for hosting me um, I guess it was last Saturday, can't remember, for the tree identification walk there for Seed Savers where I uh, led a tree identification walk to train volunteers just like you, folks just like you who are listening, who love trees and gardening. I trained all of them to identify trees and then collect seeds for us from those trees. Um, and then we, in turn, donate those seeds to tree folks, local tree planting organization, and they use the seeds in their tree planting projects because they are unable to purchase enough trees, all the trees that they need for all their good tree planting projects around town. So um, they do a lot of reforestation after disasters. They plant a lot of trees at schools. They help people in their, even in their yards, try to get uh, some shade on the house to reduce their energy bills. So, you know, it's tough right now. There's a tree shortage. And um, so Central Texas Seed Savers is my uh, volunteer organization. And we're doing everything we can to uh, help out tree folks and collect seeds for them. So... Just wanted to thank Pease Park for hosting that event. Uh, this week, I helped a listener in his yard. Someone who listened to the show hired me for my landscape consulting and uh, for my landscape consulting services. And he had a problem with some turf grass, which I'm sure a lot of you do because it's just so <laughs> terrible. It was such a horrible summer and the cold in the winter too. It can damage St. Augustine grass. So he had some problems with his turf grass. I was helping him out uh, this week, trying to figure out how to, how to cure some fungal diseases and things like that. So that's kind of what I've been up to. Headed this week up to... Uh, Waco for the Texas Tree Conference. Um, the International Society of Arboricultures, uh, local Texas chapter has their conference every year at this time. And um, I'm headed up there. Everybody who's a certified arborist goes up there to get all our training and take exams and uh, network and hang out with each other 
It's a lot of fun. I get to see all the foresters and, um, you know, some of my friends who work for Travis County as foresters and stuff like that. I get to visit with them and I'll be uh, enjoying um, someone I know is traveling here from Toronto, Canada to talk to us about fruit trees. And uh, I just finished my fruit tree certification with her at orchardpeople.com. And uh, so we'll be doing all our arborist stuff this week. And uh, orchardpeople.com is really cool. If you're interested in learning more about fruit trees, I really recommend their programs. Uh, Really good uh, self-paced online classes to learn more about fruit trees. And I really enjoyed it. And got my fruit tree certification there there, and it really helped me with my my customers who have orchards so it's really been cool um this time of year y'all oh we've got another uh tree identification walk coming up that i'm leading on September 27th at Blair Woods, uh, which is a Travis Audubon site. And I've never been there, so I'm looking forward to that. It starts at 6 p.m. So this is a really good one. If you're not available, come on Saturday mornings when we usually do them. Tree identification walk at Blair Woods Nature Preserve. Wednesday, September 27th at 6 o'clock. And you can register for that event at travisaudubon.org. travisaudubon.org. That's the Audubon Society is in the Bird Preservation Society. So that's going to be really fun. Uh, More training for folks who might want to learn to identify trees, learn how to care for trees, and uh, and learn how to collect seeds from trees, too, to help support our tree planting programs at Tree Folks. So that's all Central Texas Seed Savers stuff. That's really exciting. And um, speaking of seeds, a lot of people um, at this time of year are thinking about blue bonnet seeds. So this is the time of year to start planting blue bonnets. If you are into that, or if you remember the blue bonnets from the spring and you're wondering how to grow them, um, now's the time of year to go ahead and start planting those seeds. And the best way to do that is to go out and use a hard rake to kind of rough up the soil and then take your blue bonnet seeds. And this is a tip from Leah. Take the blue bonnet seeds and put them in a strainer, okay, or a colander. Strainer is probably better. And pour boiling water over them. Okay. And then 
take them out in the yard. I like to mix them with a bag of compost and a bag of granite sand to make them spread out easier because if you just throw the seeds out, they'll all end up clumped in one spot. And the compost and the decomposed granite will help like kind of spread them out further. And then it'll also uh, help them stay in place. So you just spread them out and then walk on them, stomp on top of them. So we're going to go to break. And when I come back, we're going to have a call from Cecilia. This is Horticulture Hangover with Colleen Dieter and Leah Turner. Call or text your lawn and garden questions to 512-836-0590. Good morning, everyone. This is Colleen Dieter with atxgardens.com. And we have Cecilia on the line here. Cecilia, thanks for holding. Good morning. Yeah, good morning. Um, I I live, we live in the um, Navarro Freestone County, kind of on the cusp in between. Um, and I'm, I'm wanting to know if you could give me some ideas for some um, <clears throat> evergreen um, plants, shrubs that um, are good. There's a a spot coming down our driveway, a lot of it is in the sun, but there's also parts in the shade. Um, I've got a bunch of salvias um, that I just, I planted earlier, and I mean, I know mm-hmm. they kind of die back during the winter. Well, they do die back. Okay. Um, yeah, so just hoping that you can give me some different ideas of evergreen that might be available to have some sort of, if there's any flowering plants um but also something that may provide something for like birds and you know the wildlife okay cool tell me more specifically where you live because i'm not familiar with those counties that you named um we live in streetman it's just um before corsicana kind of in the our soil is more sandy-ish um Wow. We've got a bunch of blueberries growing. Okay. Um, oh, blueberries. Yeah. Okay, so it's maybe a little more acidic over there. Yeah. Um, so what you might try, uh, you may have luck with magnolias that far east. Uh, okay. And they're evergreen if you do southern magnolias. And, of course, the southern ones get really big. So yeah. if you don't have room for them, there are dwarf varieties to look for. Um, so that was my first thought. Um, there's a dwarf one that's called teddy bear, um, that a lot of people grow around here and I think would do even better where you are and have the lovely flowers. Um, hollies are always good for wildlife, um, Mm -hmm. and are evergreen, uh, Yopons generally do well everywhere in, you know, in the South. Uh, and so you can't go wrong with Yopons usually, and they do provide so much good food and shelter for birds. But they're really a preferred species for, for birds to build their nests. So those would both have okay. benefits. Okay. Um and so hollies, I, I was thinking of like possum haw. Oh, yeah. I love um, possum haws. They lose their leaves in the winter, though. 
So if you're right. looking for something right. evergreen, but I love the possum. But they hummus. have the berries. Yes, they're Don't so they great. Don't continue with the berries? Yes. Yeah, they're so yeah. beautiful. That's one of my favorite, yeah. favorite plants. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, yeah, you can't go wrong. <clears throat> yeah. Um, what do you think of abelias? I love abelias. Yeah, abelias would be a good chance. Yeah, yeah, you can say it, abelia, too. Um, <laughs> no problem. Yeah, it, and um, yes, that's a great choice. I love them. The only thing about them is they can get a little hairy. They, The way that they grow is they have a real naturalistic shape, and they get, um, like, they'll get, like, single long branches that kind of stick up in all directions and um okay. so if you you have to be okay with a more natural shape uh yeah. which i really like but Total you know ram. yeah yeah so yeah. but some people don't like that they want something more you know that's that they can shape a little more but the abelias yeah. are wonderful i think you'll really enjoy them okay yeah that's one more question okay <clears throat> okay so as far as citrus trees um <clears throat> i'm gonna put most of them in the ground i have like seven i really so if they die if they die they die um okay. but my my goal is to, to work to keep them alive and but when is the best time to plant them um now would be a good time the very best time would be uh mid-march and into april if you can okay. keep them, because that way you could protect them through this winter. Because if you plant them now, there's a chance that they might not be quite established before we get our first freeze, especially you're yeah. a little bit further north out there near, okay. where you are. So, okay. but you could try it now. It just, you know, it just depends on your willingness to take the risk and, you know, if you're willing to try to keep them in pots through the winter again this winter. So now is a good time. Yeah. Okay. Does that make All sense? Right. Yes. It, yes, it All does. Right. <clears throat> Cecilia, right, Cecilia, thank you so much for your call. Oh, good. All right. Bye-bye. Right. Okay. Right. Yeah. Thanks. All right. Bye. I did not know we reached that far, y'all. That is a long way from Austin to get the radio. So that's pretty cool. Um, thanks, Cecilia. And um, y'all, I'm getting lots of text messages. Thank you so much. And I'm going to get to the text messages here. Here's someone who sent me a picture of a salvia regla. I accidentally broke a stem from my salvia regla. I put it in some water and added some seaweed. After several weeks, it has sprouted roots. Now what? Small pot, medium pot, or plant in the ground? Steve in Leander. Thanks, Steve. Um, yeah, Steve, that's really cool. And for our listeners out there, if you grow any kind of salvia and you you know, break a stem off like that, you can root them. Um, they want to grow roots out of their stems. And um, you can sometimes root them just by putting them in moist soil and keeping them moist until they start growing roots, or you can stick them in some water and they'll grow roots sometimes, like Steve did. And um, Steve, I would put that in a small to medium-sized pot and keep it moist for a while and until it grows even more roots, and then I would put it in the ground, probably this winter or spring, you could put it in the ground. Um, sometimes when you start 
plants, cuttings in water, it's hard for the plants to transition from being having roots that they grew in water to growing roots in soil. Um, so just be aware of that. That transition can be really hard for them sometimes. So um, just be aware of that and don't get discouraged, but they it's better to kind of put them in a pot to start with before just sticking them right in the ground if they have roots from growing in water. So check that out. Don't put it in a big pot right away because then you it's easy to overwater a big pot. So I know that's confusing. <laughs> you just got to try it. Okay, and here's another text from P. Pat in South Austin who says, my boxwoods are turning yellow like all the green color is being removed. Please, please help. Thank you. Um, so boxwoods are tough plants to grow. They're, you know, they're pretty common around town, but they are susceptible to a lot of diseases. And there are a lot of things that will cause a boxwood to turn yellow. So um, they get a lot of fungal diseases and they can have fungal diseases uh, when the weather's nice and they'll look fine. And then all of a sudden uh, they will start to look bad when it gets hot out. So because the fungal disease inhibits their ability to drink water. So um, it could be a disease like that. The only way to know what disease it is would be to send a sample off to the Texas A&M Plant Pathology Lab um, to find out what that is. Uh, dogs peeing on um, boxwoods will turn them yellow too. So if you notice that all the yellowing is happening at one level, could be dogs peeing on them. The drought and cold also can turn them yellow too. So I recommend replacing them with uh, Yopon hollies, dwarf Yopons. And uh, we're just about to go to a break. Welcome to the Horticulture Hangover on News Radio KLBJ. You're in the right place to get answers to all of your questions about your lawn, garden, trees, and more. Here are your hosts, Colleen Dieter and Leah Turner. Hey, good, good morning. morning, everybody. This is Colleen Dieter, and this is the Horticulture Hangover Show. I'm a landscape consultant with atxgardens.com, atxgardens.com. And you can call me this morning on the radio show with any questions about gardening, landscaping, plants, etc. 512 8360590 or toll free 8775905525 I'd love to hear from you and I've got some other text messages here Here's a text message Good morning I live in Spicewood in the country I would like to plant flowers that attract bees and butterflies but I'm sure the deer and sheep would love to eat the plants. 
Are there deer and sheep-resistant plants that would also attract and grow flowers for butterflies and bees? Yes, there are. I don't know about sheep. I don't have any experience gardening around sheep, but I have tons and tons of experience gardening around deer. And um, I do have experience designing landscapes out in Spicewood. Um, so some of my favorite pollinator plants that are also deer resistant include salvias like um, Henry Duelberg salvia or Henry Duelberg sage, it's called. It's a really great one. Um, salvia farinacea is the botanical name that's uh, a taller version of mealy blue sage. So mealy blue sage is a good option for you, but also the a little bit taller, darker blue version is called Henry Duelberg. Um, out in Spicewood, uh, you can grow Blackfoot Daisy. That's a really good choice. Um, they have a long, long bloom period and stay green most of the year. It's a good one. Texas Sage, you can't go wrong with, you know, the good old Silverado Sage, Texas Sage, also called Texas Ranger sometimes or Cenizo. So check those out. Okay. And if you live in a place where there's a lot of deer, everybody, um, you know, you can uh, make sure when you first plant the plants that you are uh, spraying them with deer repellent, even if they're deer resistant plants, because when the plants come from the nursery, they've been sprayed with fertilizer, they've been given a lot of extra water. So they're really lush and they're going to smell good to the deer and the deer are just going to be curious about them, um, you know, because they've never seen them before and they're going to want to try them and the deer don't know that they're poisonous or don't taste good. Like the deer have to try them first to learn <laughs> that they don't taste good. So, when you first plant them, you still need to spray them with deer repellent to keep the deer away until the plants get established and they the plants get their natural kind of defenses up, which is a process that gardeners refer to as hardening off. So you may have heard that term before. Um, so uh, hardening off means that the the plants have gotten their natural defenses up uh, against pests, animals, and the weather. Um, and so after they've gotten established and they harden off, if they're deer resistant plants, then you shouldn't need to spray them anymore. It usually takes about a month for most plants and to kind of train the the deer to stay away that this isn't something that they want to eat okay so keep that in mind when you're planting in deer country and uh, if you really really love gardening build fences to keep the deer out because it is just so hard to garden with deer all right we've got another text message here again I'm Colleen Dieter with atxgardens.com 
and this is the Horticulture Hangover Show. And here's a text message that says, is there a tree or plant which grows flowers to attract hummingbirds and sweet fruit in season like peaches, plums, or berries? Yes. Yeah, there's lots of good plants that will achieve your goals. Um, the first one that comes to mind is a Mexican plum, which is a native plum tree that grows around here. Um, Prunus Mexicana. And um, it will have little fruits at this time of year. They're about the size of a large cherry. Um, they can be on the tart side. It really varies from tree to tree. Sometimes they have sweet fruits. Um, but they're important for attracting uh, pollinators, not, not specifically hummingbirds, but pollinators because they're one of the first trees to bloom in the spring when bees and butterflies have been sort of starved for food over the winter. And so it's one of the first things that they'll come to eat. Um, and then that goes for a lot of the other fruit trees too, including peaches and, you know, regular garden plums or domesticated plums will provide you with fruit and will be really good for the um, pollinators. I don't know of any fruit trees that attract hummingbirds specifically because hummingbirds usually like plants that have a long uh, flowers that have long throats kind of they have co-evolved with those plants and so there's a tree called desert willow um, that is really great for attracting hummingbirds doesn't make fruit but um, that's a really good hummingbird attractor, the desert willow and its relatives. There's one called Chitalpa. Uh, that's a desert willow um, relative that will attract hummingbirds. It's a good choice for hummingbirds. So think about those. You might not get the same, you know, in the same plant hummingbirds and fruit. Um, but check that out. Uh, the desert willow and the peaches and plums. And again, this is the Horticulture Hangover Show. I'm Colleen Dieter with atxgardens.com. And you can call or text me with questions at 512-836-0590 or 877 877- Five nine zero five five two five. Call me, text me, and we're going to go to a break. See you in a minute. This is Horticulture Hangover with Colleen Dieter and Leah Turner. Call or text your lawn and garden questions to 512-836-0590. Good morning, everyone. This is Colleen Dieter with atxgardens.com. Check out my website, my services there. And you can call or text me until nine o'clock. We got, well, 8.59. Uh, 
So I've got less than nine minutes left with you. You can text me or call with questions at 512-836-0590 or 877-590-5525. And um, we have a really good question here over text regarding Lady Banks roses. I bought and planted two Lady Banks roses last spring in a spot that I thought got full sun, but turns out it doesn't really get as much sun as needed. Can I transplant? If so, any recommendations? Thank you from Helen. Hey, Helen, thank you for that question. And yes, you can transplant Lady Banks roses and I would do it soon. Um, it's pretty safe to transplant Lady Banks roses between about September 15th and April 1st, but I think sooner is better uh, in the fall. So that way they can get established before it gets really hot outside. They are sort of cold sensitive. Um, it is possible that if they're not established, you know, if you if you plant them this fall, transplant them this fall, they could die in the winter if it gets really, really cold again um, and they're not quite established. But uh, I think I would still go ahead and do it. And it's going to be easy. You know, you'd want to dig them up and then uh, make sure when you replant them, that you replant them at the same depth that they're at now. Don't plant them too low. That's the number one mistake gardeners make is planting the plants too low and piling up um, mulch or soil or leaves or rocks or whatever up against the stems of the plants. Um, so whenever you're planting or transplanting anything, uh, make sure you plant them at the same depth that they're at now. Okay. And then we've got a couple other text messages here. Thanks, y'all. Curious. This one, this text says, I'm curious about some Eve's necklace trees found on our property. They have delicate flowers early in spring. That is so cool. Um, thank you for writing in about that. The Eve's necklace trees are unusual. Um, you don't see them very often around town. Um, they're important trees for our local ecosystem. They're really good for pollinators. They're very unusual trees. If they're growing with a lot of sun, they'll grow to be nice kind of small trees they're understory trees so they stay relatively short if they are getting enough light but if they're growing really close to larger trees in dark, more shade they'll actually start leaning on the bigger trees and kind of cl start climbing the trees almost like vines so they're really unusual that way and the flowers are really lovely. Um, so good. That's really exciting that you have those. We're looking for those seeds uh, for the seed to tree pipeline program with Central Texas Seed Savers. And um, 
we want you to send those trees over to tree folks or not to send the trees, but the seeds to tree folks. They make these seed pods that are little black beans. They look like black beans, uh, bean pods. And so you'll be able to um, check out sendtextseedsavers.org for more information about seed saving and sending those seeds to tree folks. Um, so that's really neat. Great native tree. And then I've got another text message here. Good morning. Is this an appropriate time to apply pre-emergent fertilizer on common Bermuda lawns? Okay, so uh, there's two things in your text message, you ask about a pre-emergent, and then you also talk about ask about fertilizer. So, this is a good time to apply fertilizer to your Bermuda grass. Um, if you have a common Bermuda lawn, you can use an or make sure you use an organic, slow-release fertilizer like eight two four is a really, really good one, okay? Um, look for low numbers, like 824, and ingredients on the bag that are organic materials like things that like feather meal or bat guano, um, rather than uh, chemical names, okay? And so it is a good time to fertilize. It's not a good time for pre-emergent yet, okay? And pre-emergent is a weed inhibitor. So it keeps the weeds from sprouting, all right? Prevents the weeds from sprouting. And in Texas, it is not appropriate to do those things at the same time because Pre-emergent, you wouldn't put pre-emergent on really until October or even a little later to prevent the winter weeds, okay? So if you put pre-emergent on now, you're just wasting it. But it is a good time to give them a light feeding with fertilizer. So I don't like the projects, I don't like the products that are a combination pre-emergent and fertilizer, it's not the timing isn't right for us here in Texas okay I like to use um, corn gluten meal corn gluten as a pre-emergent um, the timing for pre-emergence is really really tricky it's hard to get it right so just do the best you can but right now is a good time for some nice light fertilizer for everybody's turf grass uh, to get the roots going and get them established for um, the winter time to get them help help them grow through the winter time. So I've got a phone call from Josh in Georgetown and I think I can, I don't know if I'm gonna be able to get to it before the show ends actually. So you might have to wait for Jeff. Okay, Josh in Georgetown, thank you for your call. I'm sorry, we're gonna run out of time before I can get to you. So if you want to hold on the, sh on the line, I think Jeff will be able to get you on the next show, okay? Um, I'd love to answer your question, but 
Jeff's going to have to get just because we're going to have to go to the news here soon. So I just want to thank you all again. I'll see you next week. This is Colleen Dieter with atxgardens.com. And this is the Horticulture Hangover Show. So I'll see you next week. Thanks.